Thank you so much for joining me in this live broadcast. If you're watching the live session, if you're not, you're just so welcome as well. Um, in the same way that you can just know that you're going to be loved by God. You're going to just hear the unconditional love of Jesus Christ today. The vision that I have is to minister the message of God's grace to as many people as possible so that people can have their hearts established in the truth about God and the truth about themselves, the truth about what God has done for man in Jesus Christ and the effect it has in their lives. Today we're going to talk a little bit about hope. We're going to start um, in a series on hope. I've made a study on hope and I've um, just read through the scriptures and in a, when, when you start to understand what hope really is, the, the Bible starts to make so much more sense, especially the New Testament. It starts to make sense. You start to see what the gospel really is all about. We, um, and when we do understand hope, we don't uh, uh, misinterpret scripture. We start to read what Paul was really saying, what Peter was really saying. And we start to understand what the gospel really um, really is and what gospel was preached. Amen. I want to just welcome all the first time viewers of this live broadcast of Dynamic Web Church, all the members of Dynamic Web Church that watches my messages on a regular basis in the archive on Gracestream TV or later on in the week which archived on our website. Um, you are so welcome in the service. You will see, uh, maybe by the time you watch this now, <coughs> we, will we will already have our new website um, active. Uh, we've, we've designed it that it is so much more user-friendly. Uh, so, yeah, just enjoy that. Um, go through the different things. You'll see some of the buttons are not there anymore because it wasn't relative anymore. But we've got new things there, like the forum is there. Our archive system works a little bit differently. A very important part is the latest news button, where we will always have our my itinerary, where I preach, ads, all those type of things will be under latest news. So make sure that every day when you go into the website, you quickly pass through the latest news and see what we've got on there. Amen. Um, I want to bring under your attention, you can also become a friend or a, a fan of Dynamic Love Ministries on Facebook where we daily upload things that we download from YouTube or messages that I write. Um, uh, it's just an encouraging page where you can be encouraged on a daily basis. So make sure you become part of that. If you're not part of our forum, please become part of that. We've got, I think, 250-something discussions that has already been placed on the forum with a lot of activity going on there. And it is really a place where you can see different views and opinions and everything is directed towards the grace of God. Go, go and have a look at that. <clears throat> You'll be so blessed. Amen. Let's just pray together before I get into the Word. Father, I want to thank You for every person that's watching. I thank You, my God, that You've given me this ministry where I can minister Your love to people all over the world. I thank You, my God, that this Gospel is, has got its own momentum and its own power where it can reach people, where it can touch people and bring so much life to them. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that as I preach today and share the word that you've laid upon my heart concerning hope, that people will, many of them will believe, even in the years to come, where this will be archived and, and be on the internet for, for many, many years. I thank you, Lord, that people's lives will be impacted by that and many will come to the faith. Holy Spirit, use my mouth, use my mind, speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. People, I want to just encourage you to go and look at our older messages as well. You know, many times we just want to look, what is the latest message? If you've been through all the old messages and you've been coming with us in the last three years uh, on, um, you know, Dynamic Love Ministries, that's fine. But never forget the, the things that we preached in the beginning. There is uh, such powerful, powerful messages concerning the fulfillment of the law, concerning um, just healing, concerning financial prosperity, whatever. Go into those archives, see what is, you know, the, the titles, and as, as you feel led, go and listen to them. I want to encourage you to just forward the links to your friends. You know, a, a friend, <laughs> a friend can only, you can just say, well, I don't want to watch this, 
and he's free, he can be at home and watch something quickly. We've got, if you go to, uh, on YouTube and just search Bertie Brits, you will see there's a lot of short clips that I've made. Go to um, Tangle.com as well. There's a lot of short clips, five minute, three minute things that, that you can uh, take those links and send it to your friends or embed even uh, uh, the, the player onto your Facebook page or, or, or man, share the gospel. Hallelujah. This is the message of God's grace. You can be mightily used um, in spreading that. Amen. Right, let's go to Malachi chapter 3. We're going to speak a little bit about finances. A little bit about finances. Um, and we're going to take communion together concerning finances. Oh yeah, before I get into that, this um, I'll be in Tanzania from the 18th of the coming, this coming month. That is October. Of October the 18th until the end of October, I will be in Tanzania, we will be having a, a big gospel crusade there, speaking to leaders in a conference with Pastor Daniel. So I'm excited to go up to Tanzania. You will just see a little bit of that, um, or you'll see the ad with exactly the exact, exact dates. Um, it, it will be under latest news. And then you will also see that I'll be in the United States in um, Newark uh, area in New Jersey, where we're going to just minister the gospel uh, if you are in that area, please go to Latest News, see exactly where it is. We would love to see you there. It's going to be um, a ministry amongst the Muslims, Hindu people and traditional Christians. So it will be nice to have some of the people that's already listening to the message of grace there. Some of you I've never met. We've been friends over um, via the internet. I've never met you face to face. So if you can come out there, it will be wonderful to see you there. And I will be... Um, from there, I'll be going to um, to Cookville. Just before, just before that, I'll, I'll be I'll be in in uh, New Jersey from the 13th until the 16th of November. The week, um, sorry, the week after that, I will be in Cookville. So, um, if you can, if you're in that area, make sure that you come and uh, we so that we can meet, listen to the messengers, and just enjoy the word of God's grace. Hallelujah. Right, Malachi chapter 3, we're going to read the famous, part, famous verse, we will go from verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there might be meat in my house, and prove me now here with, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast the fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of of hosts. Now, this is a powerful, powerful, powerful scripture speaking about Jesus Christ. This is not about money. It's not about how you must give to the church. Malachi chapter 3 was never written. It was never the intent of God. I want you to hear what I'm saying. It was never intended by God and the Holy Spirit to use this scripture in Malachi 3 to get people to give money to the church. It was never the plan of God. God never intended that. Although it happens, and although people say that God told them to use the scripture that way, this is not what it talks about. If we do it that way, we simply twist the scripture out of context. You must remember there was two people on the way to Emmaus, and Jesus came and said to them, How do you read the scriptures since you read this and you are sad? That means there's a way in which you can read the scripture that will produce sadness. This morning I listened to a message where, um, where the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was compared to the tithe. Where God said, where, where the preacher said that God says, um, you know, that in the beginning you can eat of every tree, but of this one tree you cannot eat because it was a way in honoring God. Now that is not the truth. Because that was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That means that God would bring and plant something that is evil so that we can honor Him through not doing something wrong. 
uh, and not partaking of evil. So where did God get the evil from that He could plant there and say, um, uh, you know, this actually represents and resembles the tithe and the law. So uh, God did not give the law in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. It was not. It didn't originate out of God, not at all. Uh, I'm busy writing a book on that, on the garden and what the garden really was and, and uh, how we can see that in the New Testament. But I want to say this. When it comes to the tithe, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if it represents the tithe, the best way in which it could represent the tithing teaching that it, that is today is if it stands for the tithe, it means don't partake of it because if you partake of it, you will surely die. That's what it says. And that is actually, if we look at the law perspective, what it says. It is... It is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was man's attempt to be like God. Man's knowledge of the good that's in his life and then believing that by the good that's in his life he can be like God. And um, we can say it like, uh, about the tithe as well. If we think that we can be as prosperous and as blessed as what God is by looking at our ability, which is the finances that we have, and if we give 10% of that, believing that by giving that 10%, then you are eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you will surely die. Um, it, it, and, and you might say, but how will I die? Because um, I've been tithing for, for many years. Your understanding of who God is and the area where, where, where you're supposed to understand that God loves you unconditionally, that God would care for you financially, free from your own efforts towards God, is dead. You don't have any experience of God as a provider free from your works. And that is actually what the gospel is all about. God does not protect the 90% because you give 10%. The 10% is not the protection of the rest of your finances. If there's anything that we must realize in this world, right now, and, and, and like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about hope, is that we cannot say that by um, anything we do, we will experience the goodness of God. Only by faith do we have access into this grace. So what will bring forth the manifestation of protection which is in Jesus is your persuasion that God does that free from works and has given it to you freely in Jesus Christ. That is the only, only way. So for you, if you are a tither, um, uh, tithe, if you're a tither, tithing to be blessed, I want to come to you today and, and as an ambassador of God, I want to uh, uh, plea with you, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to the message of God's unconditional love for you. Be reconciled to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ concerning your financial provision. The Bible says in Malachi 3, that will a man rob God, yet, you, yet you've robbed me, but you say, where have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. So let's get back to, to, to what I want to say about the people on their way to Emmaus. Says, How do you read the scriptures? That you read it and you are sad. So there's a way in which you can read the scripture and be sad. And then Jesus met up with these people in Emmaus. And, he, and he, the Bible says, And he expounded in the scriptures all the things concerning him. Well, basically, if you go and read it there, it says, He explained himself in the scriptures. And then... The Bible says, uh, uh, the, the, the people that were on their way to Emmaus, the two men, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he explained the scriptures concerning himself? Talking about the love they experienced, the joy they experienced. So, when you read the scripture, and you see the scripture as concerning your work for God, you will be sad. But if you can see Jesus in the scripture, you will be happy and your heart will, will burn with joy inside you. So, here it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, Where have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. So, when we read that, we cannot take that to ourselves. We must take it to the New Testament and Jesus Christ. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, we know in the New Testament that the Bible says, Cursed is everyone that's under the law. So, people were not obeying the tithe, therefore, they were under the curse. So, um, 
Then it says here, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, basically, so that the curse can be removed. So, what had to come to the earth in order for the curse to be removed? Jesus Christ. What had to be paid so that the curse could be broken off you? Jesus, the blood of Jesus. So, if we take Malachi 3 verse 10, and we say, well, let Jesus come, because this, this speaks about Jesus. Remember what we said, are you going to read the scripture to see what you must do? Or are you going to read the scripture to see what Jesus has done and be happy? If you read this scripture to see what you must do, my friend, you're going to be sad. Let me tell you why you're going to be sad. Because you're going to look at things that devours your life, your work, your workplace, the things you do there, maybe somebody's upset with you, uh, uh, things don't go well, and then you will say, but where have I missed it? Did I tithe correctly? Was my faith right? Did I work hard enough? Did I confess the thing right? Um, uh, 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 Lord, you know, is my f- you will be so sin-conscious, works-orientated in this area of life that, um, that you will just simply not walk in the victory of God. When it comes to finances, you won't have this burning sensation in your heart of unconditional love that you have when it comes to righteousness by faith. Why should we, when we go uh, uh, to, when we think of God and think of our finances, have this sense of, um, I must do something to open doors in heaven so that God can bless me and all those type of things. And all of a sudden, Old Testament uh, uh, um, Levitical priesthoods and all of a sudden go back to Melchizedek and Abram and, 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 and look at the obligation that Abram had towards uh, Melchizedek and it started two scriptures that says it was before the law uh, um, you know and, and, and say because it was before the law we must do it now and all those things why must we have that confusion as as children of God, when it comes to finances, but when it comes to, to, to be righteous before God, we say, well, by one sacrifice, He has perfected us forever, and we need nothing but simply believe this. So, when it comes to our righteousness, when it comes to God's unconditional love, we as grace people, we believe it, and we are happy, and we've got great joy in our hearts. Amen. But when it comes to finances, it's almost like this dark cloud in that area with this tithing teaching. So, um, I want to come to you and, and, and I want to just submit to you, say to you, be set free in Jesus' name. I've got nothing against you giving a fixed amount of money to any ministry. Nothing against that. If you're in a ministry, in a church where you feel that, uh, um, you know, I, uh, um, you know, I want to give a fixed amount, even if you want to call it 10%, whatever you want to give on a fixed monthly basis, do it so. You know, it's, it's, it's how you maybe feel in your heart, it can be the working of the Holy Spirit working in your heart. Do it. I'm not against giving on a constant basis. But what I say is, let's not say by giving on a constant basis, we are opening some uh, thing in heaven, getting God to bless us. Or, if we don't do it, uh, or if you put it this way, a man who does it will be more blessed than a man that doesn't do it. Because then we place ourselves in the shoes of the Pharisees, saying, Lord, thank you that I'm not like that man, for I pray twice a week, uh, I fast twice a week, I pray daily and I tithe. Where the other man said, well, God, you know, I don't pray, I don't tithe, I don't do anything, but I've come to this temple to believe in a God that can be good to a tax collector, somebody who steals money. And Jesus said that the tax collector, the one who stole money, was rather righteous before God than the one who tithed. So our blessedness before God is not determined by our tithe. And I want to say to you, a pure motive... In other words, a right belief, which is, I believe in the grace of God, makes you righteous, and tithing doesn't add anything to your righteousness at all. Amen. So, I want to say to you, the tithe speaks of Jesus. Bring Jesus to the earth, that there might be something in my house that they can eat, meat in my house, and prove me here with the Lord of hosts, if I can come to this earth in bodily form providing meat for the house of God 
if I will not open Jesus Christ, which is the windows of heaven, and pour a blessing out through Jesus, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Hallelujah. Saying that if He comes, He will rebuke the devourer, which devours our fruit. What devours your fruit? The law system devours the fruit that you're supposed to bear in this life. For it bears fruit unto death. And God says that we will bear fruit unto eternal life and good fruit in this world, according to Second Peter, if we can be conscious of Jesus Christ. And we will have great fruit. We will have joy. Nothing will, will destroy us. And other people will call us blessed. The Bible talks about the blessedness that's described by David that says that uh, how blessed are the people that God has not imputed their trespasses against them. Amen. So this all speaks about Jesus. And that's why we've got the communion here. When it comes to our finances, when it comes to our life, healing, anything that God has done for us, the, 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 uh, um, it must pertain to Jesus. So, God said in Malachi chapter 3, and if you go and read the tithe, you go back down to uh, uh, Deuteronomy 14. It says you will bring the tithe to the, to, to the place where God decides and there you will eat the tithe. Every third year, the tithe will not be eaten by you, but it will be given to the, to the priests and the Levites, uh, or, yeah, and the Levites, the poor, those people that couldn't by their works provide for themselves. That through their own works, they couldn't inherit anything. They could eat of it. And that speaks of Jesus Christ. Saying, listen, every third year, and I, and I believe what was every third year, three years he had his ministry on that third year, that was when he was sacrificed. So that we as people that couldn't produce an inheritance for ourselves can partake of the body of Jesus. And here in Malachi 3, he was talking about the tithe that had to be given to the poor and the people that couldn't provide for themselves. Then he says, I will come and I will be the provision for those who cannot provide for themselves and you shall be blessed. By doing what? By taking the tithe. Taking the tithe and eating your tithe. So I'll tell you, Jesus Christ is your tithe. And as His body was broken, broken, the body of works to be blessed, working yourself up to be blessed was broken. The man that had to tithe to be blessed before God died forevermore and doesn't exist anymore. And what we want to do, if, if you want to work yourself up <clears throat> by, by your works, you are simply trying to raise a corpse. Don't do that. We're not into the ministry of raising the dead lawman into new life. What we do is we take the body of Christ and we celebrate our victory when it comes to finances. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that we can partake of your body. The body that I partake of is the one that says that the law has been broken. I will be raised into newness of life. The blood that I drink is the blood that signifies the perfection in Christ, that I stand sinless before God in every area of life. And I'm so righteous that I qualify for an immortal body, which money cannot buy. How much more do we qualify for the provision of God that comes from the heart of God? I'll tell you, your, your provision is not based on anything you do. Nothing. Not even on your qualification. God decided to prosper you while you were a sinner. That's what happened to Abraham. God came to Abraham while he was in a sinful state. Not obeying any law, not living a righteous life, not even believing in God. That was before he had faith in God. Before he was accounted righteous. God came and said to him, I will bless you. Then Abraham believed that God could bless a sinner like him. And when he believed that God could bless a sinner like him, he was, his faith was accounted to him for righteousness. So what we believe as Christians, we believe that God can bless a man that never gives. That is the faith we have in Jesus. And that He will bless him with the blessings of God. That's what we believe. Hallelujah. And that brings that warmth in your heart. Because all of a sudden, everything is about Jesus. All of a sudden, everything is about God. Amen. Thank you for that 
my God. Now, if you've got a piece of bread there at home, <clears throat> you can just break it. Think of the body of Jesus that was broken for you and let's eat together. Thank you, Father. I declare that um, we became content in Jesus Christ, that you provide for us according to your riches in glory by this body, by what you've done. Our needs are met. I thank you, Lord, that your word says that, that uh, whatever we ask of God, we receive, for we keep His commandments, and this is His commandment, that we should believe on Him. Thank you, Lord, whatever desire there is, for anybody that watches this financially, I declare it met in the body of Jesus, provided for by Jesus. Thank you for that, my God. If they've got a need of contentment, it's provided for. If they've got a need in any uh, uh, material thing financially, it is provided for by you, O God. And thank you that this word could be preached, that we can believe the truth about money. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for your body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood, my Lord. And your blood flowed for us. This is the blood of the New Testament. Where we stand sinless before you. Never to be condemned by giving again. Thank you, Lord, that giving is about God giving to us. And we accept your blood and the new covenant. We declare ourselves prosperous in every area of life. Prosperous in the fruit of the Spirit. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, temperance, prosperous. Prosperous in finances, prosperous in our health, in everything which you gave to us. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, my Father. Thank you. I declare all of you so blessed in Jesus' mighty name. His body has enriched you today. Hallelujah. And today you can come and discover what Christ has done for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Right, let's go to, uh, to, to Romans chapter 5. We're going to talk a little bit about hope. Romans chapter 5. You know, I, maybe I spoke a bit long there on finances. The idea is definitely not to see how much money I can get out of you. The idea is simply to get you to understand the truth about finances and discover who you really are in the Lord. When it comes to giving, my friend, giving is about generosity. It's not about getting. It's about being generous. And giving is definitely not about a stable heart before God when it comes to, to peace that God will provide for you. That's what Jesus is all about. He says, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives. The, world, the world's peace when it comes to banks and financial institutions is you pay and then you've got peace. We don't live like that. We've got peace regardless if we pay. Now, I'm not saying that we will not give at all. I'm just saying that giving is not the pathway unto righteousness. Not your giving. God's giving made you righteous. God's giving makes you prosperous. And God also gives you generosity. God also gives you the power and the ability to live free from the fear of not having that enables you to be who you really are and not to live a fake life of stinginess, but that you can do what you really want to. If you want to give something, that you can do it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you feel you want to give, give. If you feel you, you, you want to give towards a ministry or towards the poor, don't wander about it, think about it, say, oh, you know, I've been so abused by the tithe thing that I hate giving. It's like I said the one day. It's, um, you know, if a woman gets raped uh, and uh, by three or four men, and uh, you come two weeks later and you want to explain to her the beauty of sexual relationship between a husband and a wife, man, she doesn't want to hear that. Because she's just been raped. And she got hurt. And she got abused. 
And because of that, she, she, doesn't, she doesn't want to hear anything about it. And I, and I see that in the church as well. You know, where you, we've been so abused when it comes to sowing and reaping, when it comes to tithe message, that, that we don't walk in the liberty that Christ has given us. And what actually is taking place is that the abuse that the tithe uh, message and the sowing and reaping message had on you continues its abuse even after you've realized that it wasn't the correct thing. So, let's open our minds and say, well, I'm not going to walk in the, in the hurt of what happened to me, and I'm getting over my hurt. And I realize who I really am in Jesus Christ. I am made in His image. I am made in His likeness. I am not bound by fear of not having. I am not bound by stinginess. I am a free person that loves giving and gives when I feel in my heart prompted or have a desire and say, man, it would be nice to give to this person. Then you do it. Hallelujah. Then you do it. Otherwise, and I want to just say this, um, you know, I've got a, 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 a... I've seen, I've spoken to people. You get people, when they get into the message of grace, they either don't give or they give more. But I haven't found people that give the same amount. They either give more because they realize they are free, or they give nothing. Now, people might say, Baptist, you see, because you preach grace, that's why people don't give. No, no. It is their realization of abuse, and it's still the effects of the law that is in their life. We can't say people stop to give when they hear grace, that is now a God making people not to give. No, no, it is still the fear and the abuse that was in their hearts having the effect in that person's life. So, I want to tell you, if you're still walking with that, with that fear and abuse and effects, God loves you. Come to, uh, um, come to the realization of the truth about finances and be who you are. Be a giver. Amen. Right. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, that is a powerful, powerful scripture. Let me read it again. It says, from verse 1, I want you to, to pay attention to this. We can talk about hope now. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not also so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. So what he says here uh, um, is, is basically that we are justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ because we are justified by faith. Justification is, some, is a step further than um, being made righteous. Justification is to be blessed or to be rendered righteous or to show the proof of your righteousness. So what he's saying here is, listen, um, we are justified, the, the proof of our righteousness is also finds its origin in God and we believing the truth about ourselves and God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have access, by Jesus, we have access into this great power of God, wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope. That word hope is the confident expectation of the glory of God. So here it says that we have been made righteous by faith. We, we've got this justification that is our portion, which is the proof of our righteousness, which is by faith, and we rejoice greatly in hoping for the glory of God. Now, for somebody to hope for something, there must be something in your heart that says, I am qualified for that. It, the word hope is a confidence 
reliance, a confident reliance, a resting of your mind, knowing for sure you're going to have this confident that this thing is mine and coming my way. Remember the word hope is not past tense. It doesn't imply something that has happened to you. It doesn't talk about something that you stand in. It talks about something that will happen to you. And Christians must realize that there is still something that must happen to us. Now, I'm flying to, uh, to Tanzania and I'm flying to, to the US, like I said to you, in November. So, um, uh, uh, I bought the ticket for going to the United States. So, I've got a hope that on the 10th or the 11th of November, I'll be in, in the airplane flying. That ticket is the proof. It is my right to fly. It means I've qualified. I've got a, 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 a visa inside my passport that is legal. I've got a legal passport to go. I've got permission from everybody and everywhere I can go. I have been made qualified. I'm qualified to go. Everything is paid. Now, the only thing that gives me great confidence is um, in the fact that I will get onto the plane and that I will go is all the, all the things that I have as proof that I qualify. The, the proof that I qualify does not mean that I have been on the trip. It means that I can still go on the trip. Now, um, in the charismatic church, we have made everything now. There's, there's, like I said, you know, there's even a movement that says we are immortal <laughs> now. I mean, if, if you believe you're immortal now, um, and I don't want to sound harsh about this, my friend, you've simply not read the Bible. You don't read the Bible. You read the Bible through a certain, uh, um, with a certain perspective, a preconceived idea. It's like I said so many times, if you believe that Chinese people are bad people, preconceived idea. It's like I said so many times, if you believe that Chinese people are bad people, then you will look at all the Chinese, you will not find one good Chinese person, because you already believe that they are bad. If you believe that everything um, has already happened, you will, st- you will read Scripture from that perspective and you will only see it like that. But if you read the Bible, you must not read one verse and try and explain out of one verse connected to another verse, which I call uh, uh, Strong's Revelations. A Strong's Revelation um, is when you take the Strong's Concordance and you type in, say, the word immortality or the word life. And then you take the word life in Genesis, the word life in Samuel, the word life in Chronicles and Ezra and Psalms, Proverbs, Malachi, everywhere. You take the word life and now you say that word life everywhere. It means the same thing and now you come up with your new Strong's Revelation. It's not the Strong's Revelation that is the truth. The truth is what God revealed in Jesus Christ. And what Jesus Christ said, He said, He went up and then He said, As you see Me now, go up, you will see Me again, and I will return. And when we go and read the writings of the Apostle Paul and Peter and everything, they were waiting for the return of Jesus. One of the greatest messages in the New Testament is the expectation of an immortal body in the return of Jesus Christ, called our hope. Now, let's go back again here to uh, Romans chapter 5. It says, By whom also we have access by faith into the ability of God, wherein we stand and we rejoice in the confident expectation of the glory of God. Now, that glory of God um, is, is, is translated according to fire definition as a view and an opinion. But we must realize that all the words for glory, and some people just go, you know, and I've done it myself, you just take one definition and take that one definition and, and apply it to every word glory. You cannot do that. If you study the Greek language, you cannot do that. You will get into a false doctrine. There are places where, where the glory speaks of a view and an opinion. And there's places where that glory speaks of 
a, a, a physical glorification. Now here, um, <laughs> why, why does it say that we rejoice in expecting God's view and opinion? Here it speaks of the physical glorification of you at the return of Jesus. That's what it talks about. And that is the Christian hope. And, I, you know, I want to title these messages, The Hopeless Church. Because the church has lost its hope. And if there's no hope, I want to tell you there's no joy. There's no happiness. There's no power to override and... and, and uh, um, how can I say, there's no power to, to handle situations that doesn't make sense to your mind today. When I was in the, uh, in the army, we, we had a, a, a march um, in the beginning when you get in there. They make you top fit and then you go on to this march. It's like a 45 kilometer march and you're not allowed to stop and you with a full kit or it's like, I don't know if it's 80 kilometers, it's very long. Uh, a full kit, you're like 40 kilo, kilograms of, um, that's about eight, 85, 90 pounds of, of a backpack, um, and you walk. And, and, and we, you don't walk on your own speed, you, you walk in, in, a, in a formation. So, if one man gets tired, the formation must continue, and you're going to carry your friend with his backpack and, and his body weight. You're going to do it. And while doing that, it wasn't nice. But what kept you going was knowing that this will end. And if we take hope out of the Christian faith, which is that there will be an end to a mortal body, there will be an end to a place where we can be tempted with the law, there will be an end to the place where we've got an ability inside our uh, uh, human flesh to sin. I'm not talking about even sinning. The power of sin is dead because we've, we're not under the law anymore. But where there's a place where, we, where this, sin, this body doesn't have the ability to sin, for it's glorified into the very same glory as the resurrected Christ, having the ability to live forever. Now, <laughs> we, we, we must have that hope. For as a Christian, if you don't have that hope, and I'm going to prove in the sessions to come, in the Sundays to come to you, that we desperately need hope back in the church. Because there are people that don't get healed when you pray for them. And they feel hopeless. They feel condemned. They feel judged. They feel there's no place for me. What's wrong with me? There are people, you know, uh, uh, the, the prosperity message is beautiful and wonderful and people do prosper. But, but there, I, I watched a movie um, with, uh, w- I watched this movie about, what was it called? The s- s- no, no, th- those people in India, the, the many people. Slumdog Millionaire. Go and watch that movie. No, I was very tired. I slept through half of it. My wife says very good. But I saw those slums and where the people live and where millions of people live on top of each other. Now you cannot give every one of them a massive house. Where are they going to stay? You can't give every one of them a, a five-bedroom house with a big yard and a, a four uh, uh, cars and a motorbike and an aeroplane. Where are you going to park those aeroplanes? Where are you going to park those cars and motorbikes? And where are you going to build those houses? There's not place for seven billion farms on this planet. So there are people that's going to be poor. Jesus said you'll have the poor with you always. And preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus preached the gospel to the poor that produced a hope inside the poor that their poverty didn't have any power over them for the hope that was given to them and the reality of what Christ has done for them made them so rich that they were richer than what poverty could ever make them poor. Hallelujah. And you might say, but this is a confusing message because let me tell you what is wrong in the body is of Christ and what I've seen is we've taken the gospel. We never got rid of the lust in the heart of man to be like God by what we do. Which is, well, if I'm prosperous, that means I'm like God. That is the law, that is sin, that is, that is, that's born out of the devil. I'm not saying we're not supposed to be blessed. 
Please hear what I'm saying. But what happened is, we've taken and said, well, if I am like God, if Jesus is the Son of God, if I have been made righteous, I must right now, in this world, right now, be as rich as what God is. And if I'm not, it means that I am not blessed of God, I'm, uh, the, the gospel is not true in my life. I'm not, uh, I have not inherited my full inheritance. Making yourself a slave again, taking the work of God, it's by, just like Jesus, taking a stone where he was tender, take the stone, make it a bread, find your sonship in what happens to you. And a gospel has been, and, and people are still living with a thing of, if these things happen, then I am a son of God. Now, using the gospel to meet the requirement they have in their hearts to be a son of God. I don't have to be healed to be called a son of God. I don't have to be prosperous financially to be called rich. I don't have to be healed in my physical body to be called healed. Abraham, God said to Abraham, and you can go read this in, 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 in uh, uh, Romans chapter 4, that you are called Abraham, the father of many nations, before he had a son. And Abraham did not consider the deadness of his body, but believed in God that can raise the dead. Now, <laughs> let me tell you, we don't consider the deadness of our body. And why did God write that in the book of Romans? Because today there's a deadness in our bodies. There's a lack when it comes to finances, but we don't consider that. I don't care how big your ministry is. I don't care how big your business is. If you look at money, there's always a lack. Because that's what money says. But what makes money not have a lack is your revelation of the unconditional love of God that provides for you on the basis of the full glory of God which is not on earth but in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And as we preach this gospel, we are reflecting in our faces what we preach. We are reflecting the face of Jesus Christ. And then we will be turned into that glory at the return of Jesus. Now you might say, Bertie, this is a poverty mentality. We're never going to be rich and whatever. Let me tell you something. Money cannot make you rich. Stuff cannot make you rich. Healing cannot make you... Healing doesn't make you healed, my friend. <laughs> I don't know how to say this, but we cannot base our joy in how healed we are, how prosperous we are, how skinny we are, or how fat we are. Because that is not who we are. We are what God has made us in Christ Jesus. And we look into the glory of God. And what we see in heaven, that is where our mind is. And we expect the return of Jesus. And then we will find perfection in that. And the problem is that the, the, the Adam mentality must be removed from the church. The, the mentality where, where um, that's written down in Luke chapter 17. And, and, and we can quickly go there. Let's go to Luke 17. And I'm going to end off by just touching on Luke 17 there. Um, must be removed from the church. If you are a bit confused now, it's fine. Um, listen to the next sessions, next Sunday and the Sunday after that. I'm going to just make maybe, I don't know how many sessions about this. We must understand the hope of our calling. We must understand the hope of our calling. Titus 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, we rejoice in the hope of our calling. We rejoice in the thing that we have not seen. The Bible says, hope that is, hope that is seen is not hope. Wherefore, hope you then for it. So there's something that you can expect. Hallelujah. There's something that's going to happen to you in the return of Jesus. That will only happen in the return of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you cannot be healed. I'm not saying that you cannot have finances and that God will not provide for you right now. You can have that. God says that I will meet all your needs. Your health need, your financial need by His riches which is in His glory by Christ Jesus. Those needs are met by God mercifully, graciously, giving us provision today. 
That is what God does. He gives you favor at work, you work and all those type of things. But there is a perfection to come in your body that is not in the church today, that will not be here until Jesus comes back. And if we cannot see that, we will try and find perfection right now. We will not see perfection. We will be tempted by Satan to do more and do more and do more and then see that perfection manifesting by our works and be back in the law again. Satan said, I will place myself on the mountain of God. He sold that system to Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve said, well, I will place myself in, in the, in, into godliness in the mountain of God. Place myself in, in the place where God actually created me. Satan said that. And now what happens is Jesus said, I am the author, I came and I brought you this faith. And the finishing of what you believe for, I will manifest that for you. So we are not saying, well God, you know, you placed me on the mountain of God, you made me righteous, and now I'm by my hard believing and pushing through and whatever going to make myself immortal and very rich and prosperous and all those type of things. We believe that that's what He does for us and there will be a place which, of perfection in the flesh which will be at the return of Jesus Christ. And you might say that, I differ from that. Um, we, we're going to walk through this and walk with us through this. Let's go to Luke 17 and I end off with this. From verse 1. It's impossible but that offense, offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they, come, they came. Oh, hallelujah. It were better for him, listen, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the depths of the sea that he should offend. Take heed of yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If, listen, and if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to you, saying, I will repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. So what did he say here? He made a commandment that was almost impossible, that was actually impossible for man to, 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 to do. Then what they said is, increase our faith so that we can meet the standard, so that we can be called righteous by the standard. And that's what happens. We make our own standard. If I drive the newest Mercedes-Benz, if I get a, 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 a $50,000 salary a month, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, then, you know, I am on the, in the place where God wants me to be. Now we say, God, increase our faith that these things can manifest so that we can call ourselves the, 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 the blessed of God. Then Jesus said, listen, if you've got the correct faith, you'll say to this tree or this thought pattern, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that says, if I reach this, then I'll be like God. You will uproot that thought system from your life and you will declare yourself blessed because of who you see yourself in Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I've got good news for the poor. You don't have to have a big business to call yourself rich. You don't go and have to start to work up something, get some piece of land somewhere, build a big building so you can call yourself rich. God enables you right there where you are. Even in the slums of India, in, in, in the places where people are so poor, where, where you might, for the rest of your life, live in that area. God has got the power that as you've got this confident expectation in Christ, that He will work in you patience. He will work in you long-suffering. And in that time, it will not even feel hard. For God comes and empowers you through the expectation that there is in Jesus, through the knowledge of who you really are, to live a full, full life. Amen. Amen. Fullness of life is not contained in what you drive, where you stay, what you do, how holy you live. Fullness of life is contained in the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Amen. And what He says about you. Let's come to the place where we... We, we, we don't try and use the gospel to provide for what we think must happen today so that we can feel good about ourselves. You are what God says you are. And what we do is, we've got this expectation knowing that 
there's a glorification that waits for the body of Christ. And that is what the whole gospel is all about. That's, if you don't understand this, this, the hope of the gospel, you cannot interpret Hebrews chapter 4. You cannot interpret Hebrews chapter 10, 11 and 12. It will be impossible. You will not be able to interpret Galatians, Colossians. It will be impossible. You will not be able to interpret First Timothy and Titus. Uh, and Titus. You, you will not be able to do it. Uh, uh, um, Jude will just be some foreign book to you. You will not really see what is written there. When it comes to things like, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm scared that I've labored for you in vain. When it comes to things, things like, those that believe until the end shall be saved. We don't understand the scriptures because we have taken hope out of the gospel. And we want a clear understanding of all of the scriptures, knowing what the true gospel is that was preached. You know, when Paul preached, he said to the people, listen, this is what Jesus Christ has done for you. And then he went and he preached on the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus spoke about two things. The new life that I'm resurrected into right now in my spirit and the manifestation of that resurrection which is an immortal body in the return of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Paul says, I don't know what I will be. But one thing I do know is that I will be like him. And that's what I will be raised into. And right now, you are like Christ in your spirit. You've been recreated in Christ. But your physical body is not like the body of Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't age where he is today. Jesus doesn't, doesn't have a, a, a heart problem or a lung problem. Jesus doesn't struggle with a cold today. You know, and I'll tell you, we've seen Smith Wigglesworth, he died. Jesus will not die. His physical body cannot die. And on this earth there's no immortal person. So there's a hope for us. Um, and, and we're going to share about this in depth. So open your heart for this. Let's know this one thing. That if there's some shortcoming in your life, don't judge yourself about that. Maybe you've been struggling with your health for such a long time. I'm not saying you must struggle for, with health for the rest of your life. But know this, that don't see yourself as imperfect for where you are supposed to be today. Because where you are supposed to be today is a place where the Holy Spirit indwells a mortal body. So if you are experiencing a little bit of mortality in your life, don't say, well, I'm not where God uh, wants me to be. If I get tired, I don't say, well, God, what's wrong in my life? You know, if, if I sometimes feel the flu when it come upon me, I don't say, oh God, what's wrong in my life? No, you've got a body that can be attacked by those things. It is the way it is. And I think the teachings that's going around today where people find their identity in how much money they have, how healthy they are, you know, and all those signs and things of... of since when are we going to use the world system of blessed to declare how blessed we are? We've got a different system. The system by which we declare how blessed we are is looking at the resurrected Jesus. Your blessedness is described by the fact that you don't have to be like God by your works. That's your blessedness, my friend. Thank you for that, my God. But how will I have, how will I have my needs met? How will I have a better job? How will I provide for my wife and my family? Very simple. The Bible says, make your need known to God. God will meet your need by His love for you. We don't have to work some system to get God to do something for us. There's a, a loving Father. We just make that need known. Amen. I say to God, God, I want to preach this gospel to people. God opens doors. Amen. Hallelujah. So, thank you for that, Jesus Christ. Let's just pray together. We've come to the end of the session. And know this one thing. God loves you unconditionally. If you've got any question, any scripture that you want to send us, please send it to our office. Uh, click on the link at contact us. Do that. Send it to us. And um, we would love to answer you and be of assistance to you. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I want to just stretch my hand forth to all the people that are watching this broadcast. I thank you that you love them. I thank you, Lord, that we can know that there's nothing wrong with us because we might experience some difficulty in marriage or there's anything wrong with us because um, the paycheck last month didn't come through or there's something wrong with us because my, 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 my child's got tonsillitis or something like that. 
Thank you, Lord, that we can know that this is what happens in this normal world. But thank you for your power that we can live in victory in these situations. We can pray for the sick that they can be healed. But when we sometimes feel uh, um, tired, when we feel, uh, Lord, that, that, that why are things in the world the way they are? And why is there a recession? And why this and why that? That we can know, my God, we live in a world where you put us, put a wonderful gift inside earthen vessels. And we don't complain about the earthen vessel. Our eyes is not focused on the earthen vessel, my God. Our eyes is focused on who you are. Although you are doing great things through this earthen vessel. We don't see perfection in the flesh as today. What we do see is Jesus Christ. And we've got a confident expectation that there will be perfection in our flesh by what Jesus has done for us. And I thank you, Lord, that in the weeks to come, that people understand this message clearly. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for watching. Remember this one thing, that God always loves you and there's no end to His unconditional love for you. Amen.